This podcast takes you into the rarely discussed realm of the personal decisions leaders have taken that have influenced their business decisions and developed them into the leaders they are today. The refreshingly honest experiences of those who have been very successful provide an insight into the challenges they faced, the successes they achieved, and the people who influenced them along their journey. Here's our host, Mark Silvera. Welcome to Business Made Personal. This podcast is brought to you by the insurance industry's leading education and events provider, ANZIF, via their Careers in Insurance initiative. I'm Mark Silvera. Isabel Quick is a lawyer with Wooden Kearney, New Zealand, and an ADR ODR international accredited civil commercial mediator. Isabel has won and coached in the International Chamber of Commerce Commercial Mediation Competition, has been the Women in Health Network founding executive member and treasurer, the assistant coordinator at the UN Youth New Zealand Auckland Regional Council, the UN Youth New Zealand Delegation to Hague International Model United Nations. And in her spare time, Isabella has picked up the University of Auckland Law School Entrant Prize in 2015 and the Randy Toto College Excellence in Leadership Awards in 2014. Welcome to the program, Isabel. Thank you, Mark, for having me. It's such a privilege to be here, an avid listener of the podcast. Um, so it's very cool to be on the other side. So you're the one that's been listening. Thank you. I appreciate it. You've done a lot in your spare time, I've got to say. I'm very impressed at your level. What do you think is actually driving you to continue to get better and better at what you do? I'm very much the type of person who just likes to have a go when the opportunity arises. If I see something that, oh, that looks cool, I kind of throw my name in the hat and see see what happens. Yeah, but I've definitely had some very cool opportunities come my way to explore the world um, and learn new skills, which has been amazing. Yeah, brilliant. We'll get to a little bit about that. But let me start at the beginning. I know you're a relative new entrant to the workforce, but I wanted to ask you, just thinking about when you were growing up, I know you were born in Singapore. Just take us back a little bit to what your life was like growing up. So I was born in Singapore. We stayed there as a family until I was six years old. And then we immigrated here to New Zealand. It was definitely a change. I think coming here so young, having to learn a different culture, at least the language was the same, but the accents are very different. So I adopted a Kiwi accent quite quickly and just got used to the New Zealand way of life. So the reason you guys came over, was it to do with work or was it to do with some sort of family change? I think it was a lifestyle choice for my parents and just having the opportunity work-wise for, for my dad as well. I mean, this is from me as someone who hasn't lived a long time in Singapore, but at least what I've heard about the um, Singapore lifestyle is it can be quite intense. The education system um, is very intense and competitive, and that stands in, in contrast to what we have here in New Zealand, I think, which is a much better way of growing up. This is what I've heard, and, and certainly growing up here has been fantastic. There's lots of opportunities, not just academic-wise, but a chance to explore your other interests, which is awesome. What do your parents do? Uh, so currently, they financial advisors. They run a branch business of a company called New Zealand Home Loans, so assisting people with their mortgages and related financial advice. And I know you're only six at the time, but I'm sure you've heard stories over your life. Did they experience challenges that they never expected when they came to New Zealand? Oh, I'm sure it was a 
different way of, of doing life for them and immigrate to another country. You sort of start from ground zero and you have to learn everything new. But I think they, at least this is what I observed, is your daughter really relied on each other through that and found community here with other immigrants as well who were all going through the same thing and understood what that experience was. I think that helped them through new challenges they might have faced. Yeah, definitely. You're six years old. You head over to New Zealand. You started a new school. You've come from a different country. What were your experiences during those sort of early primary school years? A bit hard to say because you don't have something to compare to, but I just definitely remember being really happy that it was not all focused on academics and I didn't have to worry about studying. I know in Singapore, you know, there's really intense tuition programs that you have to go to outside of school and you're worried about your extracurriculars, but it was it was way more about this is, you've got time to do what you're interested in. And if you are good at a subject, then you can, you know, go further with that, but it's not, there's less pressure, I guess. I certainly appreciate that a lot more now in hindsight, looking back, but I'm sure at the time, Isabel was just, was just a kid loving life. I want to talk about when you went to high school and when you finished high school. Were there people in your life that were major influences for you? I think going through high school and especially towards the end of high school as I started to pick up some of the extracurriculars that meant more to me. So I think you mentioned earlier in the instruction as well, like some of those model United Nations um, experiences. Those were really great in helping me meet university students and people who were sort of further along. There were a lot of law students as well who were part of their model United Nations like coordinating committees and that sort of thing. So it was great to meet them and, and learn from them. I think that definitely helped me find my way a bit more about what I wanted to do after high school, speaking to them and, and hearing about their career aspirations. And were your parents the sort of parents that were very interested in your academic career or were they pretty cruisy and let you do what you needed to do? I think they were quite relaxed about it, to be honest. I mean, I always had some idea for myself about what I wanted to do. I knew that I didn't want to be a doctor, so that was good to have that sorted out quite early on. I didn't like the idea of having to deal with blood and bodily fluids and that sort of thing. I mean, I still um, very much enjoyed the health sector, for example. I, like I've did a conjoint in health science and law, so I definitely wanted to keep that up from the perspective of more health systems and health policy and how we can improve health for populations through, through those ways rather than just on the ground being an actual doctor. I liked how health had you know, incorporated so many different aspects. You know, there's politics and statistics and science and sociology, psychology, ethics as well. That was really interesting to me. I think I knew from an early stage that I liked doing, I liked having a variety in the work that I do. I didn't want to be too specialist and I enjoyed learning about different topics and different areas. Well, hey, look, I'm a lot older than you. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So I take my hat off to you, Isabel, to having that focus at that early age. I want to talk about a little bit about your university days. So it was at the University of Auckland that your interest in mediation started, if I got the research right. In fact, you were part of the first New Zealand team 
to win the Paris International Chamber of Commerce Commercial Mediation Competition, which I mentioned at the opening. What was so appealing about that sort of opportunity? I was sitting in law school, going to all these lectures, learning about the law, but sort of not really understanding what that was going to look like in terms of career in law. I just could not picture myself um, at the time in court. I didn't know if that was the route that I wanted to take. And because I didn't have any any lawyers in my immediate circle, I didn't really have anyone to ask about what actually it means to be a lawyer. So that was where I was getting to in law school until I was um, accepted to do the negotiation and dispute resolution course that the University of Auckland offered. And that course really opened my eyes to what is possible or the work that you might be doing as a lawyer outside of being in court. After doing that course, then I applied and was accepted to be part of the teams that went to the commercial mediation competitions. And they were just such incredible experiences. So that was a really good experience. I want to talk a little bit about insurance. So you began your career with a major New Zealand life insurer in 2016. And since then, you've worked with law firms specialising in insurance law. What's so sexy about insurance? So that role back in 2016 was my part-time role during my final years of university. I definitely did not know what I was getting myself into when I applied for the role, but as soon as I started and first opened a life insurance policy and first understood what a claim was and what it meant for the person that was making the claim, then it, it all really started to click for me and I realized that oh, insurance has such an important place in people's lives. Um, there's an opportunity here to have genuine impact through the work that you do. And from then on, I tailored the rest of my studies to have an insurance focus. And then when I went to apply for roles upon graduation, I knew that that's where I wanted to go. I want to also talk a little bit about diversity because I know it's one of your passions. Your experience as a young female lawyer and a first-generation immigrant led you to become an advocate for enhancing diversity. Give us a bit of an idea of what that actually means to you and what sort of impact you would like to have. I just think back to, as I was saying earlier, that I didn't have anyone in my immediate circles who was a lawyer or who had the career that I was hoping to do. And so I think it was important to me to find ways to create opportunities where you know, people like myself could, could meet together and share what we know, our experiences, and what that looked like for me. I could start at a university where I was helping to start the organisation Women Health Network. And that was just all about getting students, women students who were studying in the health studies areas, various uh, health studies like pharmacy and, and medicine all across, just giving them events and opportunities to get to know each other and to learn from each other and what steps they might need to take to progress in their career after university. That's really carried on through to my career now, being involved in the diversity committee and creating those opportunities as well. I think there's a lot to be said about informal mentoring in the space as well. So not so much having like, you know, a formal mentor, but just those one-off opportunities where you're having even a five-minute conversation with someone. And it doesn't have to be someone who's very senior. Perhaps they're just one or two steps ahead of you in, in your career and um, there's so much to learn there. So that's the kind of opportunities that I look for and what I hope to offer still being at the stage in my career. 
So what you say really interests me because if you look at insurance, it has a reputation of being heavily male-dominated. I think it's changed significantly since I first started. Do you think you're experiencing any challenges being young and being female in what you do from a work perspective? I think you're right, Mark, in what you say that it's really changed in recent times. And I'm very hopeful being where I am right now and looking ahead that there won't be the same challenges as people in the past have experienced. I mean, we can talk about glass ceiling and and bamboo ceiling, and we're starting to see people break through those ceilings and be in the positions of leadership. I think what would be so awesome going forward is that we start to really dismantle that ceiling entirely and that doesn't become a thing for my generation. I can fortunately say that I haven't experienced any real discrimination where I'm at right now. And that's big credit to the people who paved the way and faced those challenges themselves and then turned around and made sure that people in my stage of my career don't have to face the same challenges. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been awesome to see the change. I I guess from my perspective, it hasn't come quick enough, but I'm really pleased that what you're experiencing is that end process of all of those people. And I've known many of them over the years who have actually paved the way and done the hard yards. You mentioned mentors. I wanted to ask you, do you have people that you regard as mentors in your life? And if you do, what sort of impact have they had on you, Isabel? I think I definitely have had the benefit of people who have, for whatever reason, seen the potential um, in me and, and given me opportunities and really encouraged me along the way. For the former mentors, it's just been so amazing to know that I can pick up the phone and call them at any time. And for the informal mentors as well, here at the firm, I've got great supervising partners who have really helped me along in my career and given me opportunities. hundred percent. And I was just going to say, I think it's endemic within the insurance industry that you ask people for help, they will just jump out of their seat immediately to give you a hand, right? I don't know if you've experienced that. I certainly have in my career. So I'm hoping that it's the same for people coming in. Isabel, in 2023, the Arbitrators and Mediators Institute of New Zealand, or AMONS as they're known, named you as the Consensual Scholarship Winner, which was focused on mediation. What did that mean for you? Oh, it was just uh, such an honour. One thing I will say to begin with is that was my second attempt to um, apply for that scholarship. So let that hopefully be an encouragement to anyone that if you don't get it the first time, just have another go because you never know what might happen. It might work the second time or third time. Just keep being persistent. But yes, finding out that um, I got that scholarship was yeah such a rewarding experience this year. It's really opened a lot of doors for me and given me opportunities that I wouldn't have otherwise. The scholarship um, involves observation opportunities, so I get to sit in and watch uh, mediations. I've attended conferences and trainings through the scholarship, and that's allowed me to meet so many people in the mediation community around New Zealand who, as you say, have just been so willing to offer advice and, and support me and mentor me in this area. I want to switch a little bit. I wanted to ask you about some of the challenges that you faced because this show is called Business Made Personal and one of the personal things in most people's lives are challenges. We were speaking off air and you're saying, oh, I haven't got the experience of some of your other guests. If I asked you though, what's the hardest challenge that you've had to face, regardless of your lifespan, what would you say to me, Isabel? I feel that the answer that I think of 
because it's sort of the theme that we've been talking about. And as you just mentioned, my fear coming into this podcast was that I didn't have the experience. I think there's so much imposter syndrome and tall poppy syndrome that we have to deal with, constantly feeling anxious and like you're not uh, worthy the opportunities that you've been given or you're just not able to do the, the work that's been, been asked of you. I think I've had to um, personally really give myself a lot of grace that, and say that it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to just have a go and try to do things to the best of my ability and whatever the outcome is, not to worry about that. I hear you 100%. I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but in my case, it's never gone away. It's one of those things every time you take on a new challenge, you go, I really want to take the challenge on, but am I good enough? Will I let people down? Will I let myself down? So I hear 100% and that is it's one of those things that some people deal with it brilliantly and they, you know, they're just out there, whereas other people, particularly those that are pretty good at what they do, are always second-guessing themselves. I think that goes back to the diversity issue as well, that I think women perhaps have a tendency to need to feel confident about what they do before they step into an opportunity. As a woman, that's something I'm trying to, to face and manage. I have had that from so many people on this podcast obviously women who have said exactly the same thing. I want to talk about some of the awards that you've received, and not in detail, but I want to know with each of those awards, you know, that imposter syndrome must be must be getting a bit of a hosing, I would hope. How do you think it's influenced you having received those sorts of awards? And there are way too many for me to mention. But how do you think it's impacted you in terms of not just your confidence, but also the new challenges that you take on? For me, I think those awards really represent, I mean, I'm so conscious every time. What it means is it's a recognition of everything that has been taught to me by other people. It's a recognition of what I've learned and uh, how much I've grown and, and I can be grateful to the people who have taken the time to input into my life and the work that I do. The other thing that I think is is amazing is that it really shows that the insurance industry, especially, there's opportunity for you to strive for those for success. There's recognition. There's not ever going to be like a ceiling that you could reach or a top position in, in a plateau. There's always a chance to strive for something better and to yeah reach for those achievements. I wanted to ask you, Isabel, if you could change one thing about the industry, and that can be the legal industry, it can be the insurance industry, what would you like to change? I think for the insurance industry especially is the consumer perception of insurance. And I think that will continue to change going forward as people, knowledge and information is so much more accessible these days. And so I hope that what we can do going forward is, yeah, just to change that perception of insurers is the, I don't know, big bully that takes all your money and never pays out any claims like that is I think that is such an old school way of seeing the insurance industry um I'd really like to see consumers um, understand so as you may or may not know every one of our guests gives me a question to ask the next guest so our last guest was Heather Blanco who is the CEO of Surewise Insurance Brokers and she left us with this question what is the importance of having a good mentor in your life, both personally and professionally, Isabel? Having good mentors in your life is so important and it gives you a sounding board 
whenever you're you're faced with something that you don't know the answer to, or even if you just want to sense check what your your gut feeling is, incredibly helpful to be able to reach out to mentors and get that support and wisdom to take the next step. If I asked you for a question for you to leave for our next guest, what would you want to ask them? I would love to know what the next person thinks is a new insurance product that the next generation of insurance professionals should be thinking about. I think that we're all bracing ourselves for innovation and changes in the insurance industry. And I'm just so curious to see what people think is next. Lovely. I'll make sure I get that question asked. Final question for you, Isabel Quet, a lawyer with Wooden Kearney in New Zealand. What is next for Isabel Quet? I think the past few years have been big on learning about mediation, about insurance, and about this career. And I think the next steps for me is putting all that knowledge into practice. I'd love to see myself grow more and becoming a mediator and doing mediations and also in the insurance space as well, continuing to be a lawyer, working with the insurance industry and understanding what clients need from us. Hey, I look forward to following your career very closely, Isabel. I think you're going to be an absolute rock star, as you are already. Thank you so much for being on Business Made Personal. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me and, and all the encouragement. Thank you so much for lending us your ears. Please remember to click follow on your podcast app or subscribe at bmppodcast.com.au so we can give you a sneak peek of our next guest. Until next time, I'm Mark Silvera, and you've been listening to Business Made Personal.